There is spider gack all over this sofa. Well, that's more than I wanted to know about your sofa, I have to say. I, I didn't know Nickelodeon made the extra types of gack. Like, we came downstairs this morning and there's just like this trail of like spider silk. You sure it wasn't all, slug? I hope it's not a fucking slug because it's indoors and there's no slug in here. Oh, yeah, slugs will get indoors. I, yeah. we, 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 you know, we've put all sorts down to get slugs in here and they still get in. Huh. And we don't know where from. It's all over my pens dispenser and my emery board. That's unpleasant. It is. That is deeply unpleasant. I still have this pez though. It wanted this <laughs> pez. It was after the pez. It's a little Dilophosaurus. And then you open your pez dispenser and it's eaten all the pez. Son of a bitch! <laughs> this is a spider. You open it. More spiders! <laughs> it's the worst kind of pez dispenser. You open it up and spider eggs come Just out. a spider dispenser. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! And welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me as ever are Kyrie. Greeting not found. And Jack. Hello. Rob had planned to be with us. Unfortunately, he currently works in an escape room, which he has been unable to escape to join us tonight. Again. <laughs> Again. He's tried so hard this I, time. I, he booked it off and everything. He had the day booked off. And, and then we just got this mournful voice message <laughs> a little while before going live. I honestly believe, like, in order to actually leave to go home, he has to escape the room. Yeah, and, and can't. This is, this is how I choose to picture it. But he may still be in there now by the time you're listening to this, uh, especially if you're live in the chat room at twitch.tv slash dangerously unprepared. He's definitely still in there now if you're listening to us live. Yes. But even if you're listening to us on podcast, spare a thought for Rob, possibly still trapped in an escape room. I feel like I should make a joke there, but like I don't know how tough escape rooms are, and we have one in Redditch, but what I love about it is that it's called Escape Experience Redditch. Right. But the word experience on it is really small, so every time I pass by it, it just looks like a... Redditch. Yeah, there's just a big door. <laughs> and, it's, and it's right opposite the travel agents. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, there's one just near me as well, um, along with a laser tag thing and a VR experience thing. Ooh, oh. laser tag. I have, to go, I have to go to Birmingham to get some of like the cooler stuff. Like when I went for a, a Nerf battle... Uh, room for my for a nerf my, battle room yeah for uh for a friend of mine's um stag do that's pretty cool i i won two games of of, of nerf congratulations one of them you sociopath the, absolutely but one of them was in the absolute best way ever it, it was like a, a capture the flag type thing except like uh, non-team based so basically, so, somewhere within the room, which was all set up with like desks and and uh, um, like a reception area and all that kind of stuff with, yeah. the, with a computer monitor on it. Um, somewhere within that room was a gold bar, and if you picked up the gold bar and held onto it, there was it was a ten minute long game. Whoever was holding onto it at the end was the winner. So it okay. matter if you held it for nine minutes and then lost it at the end, and it would be whoever had it when the whistle went on the tenth minute won. And. Basically, everyone was running around. I assumed someone had already found it, and so I wandered around. I just saw the uh, the guy running the game, like 
the judge guy who was like picking up the extra darts and also taking them back to the ammo room. Uh, yeah. room. And uh, he was like, gold bar is still not been picked up. I can see it from where I am. And I, I was just like looking at him and he was just staring at the ground. So I followed his, his vision and he was just looking at a lone dart on the ground. And I'm like, ah, you're not going to catch me like, out like that. You're going to lure me out to, to, to like, so someone could shoot me. And he looked at me, oh, no, no, I, I mean, I can I like the paranoia. Yeah, I can legitimately see it from where I am. So I just like, I looked behind me and on the wall, on a light box set across the wall was this gold bar. I was like, oh, sweet. Picked it up, heard the whistle go and him just going, gold bar is now in play. <laughs> <laughs> so I like ran, ran into the little reception area, dove underneath the desk, curled up in the corner <laughs> under the desk, had a little cry. <laughs> And for about two minutes, just watched as people ran past the area, like, please don't find me, please don't find me. Eventually, someone just came in and just plugged me square between the eyes. Oh, <laughs> gold bar. And went around, had a bit more of a game, turned a corner at some point, and saw a guy there, just shot him point blank with this little tiny Nerf pistol, and he just looked very despondent and handed over the gold bar that he had. <laughs> I took it out of his hand, at which point the whistle blew on the 10th minute. And I was like... I am going to dedicate this victory to sheer cowardice. <laughs> Brilliant. Discretion is the better part of valor. And thank you Absolutely. to Metwinch for following on Twitch. Yay! Always nice to have more people following us. Absolutely. More followers. Tell your friends. Because I'm, we need. To, I I say we like someone actually does stuff with the Twitch account. I need to do stuff with the Twitch account. You do. Do you know who I've actually talked into doing stuff with the Twitch account? Uh, who? Zoe. Oh, cool. So, Monday nights, she's going to be streaming uh, Sims 2, Surrounded by Idiots Challenge. <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, nice. We we started that out on this Monday, just, just to see if she could get a feel for it. And she was using um, Shadowcast, which is the NVIDIA built-in streaming stuff. Mm. And that has a drawback in that it streams like straight from the video buffer so when the game crashes it stops streaming so the stream stopped and starts and stopped and start because sims 2 crashed a lot yeah i was like you know it wouldn't be a problem if you were using my setup and you were on camera um and turns out she really enjoyed the experience so now i'm gonna set her up with a profile on this computer with all the proper lighting and the good streaming gear oh, cool. so she's gonna do a proper stream and I think this is at least in part inspired by when we were playing Quiplash and Zoe discovered that she has fans. <laughs> yeah, that was a... And I say fans, that's... stalkers could also be an appropriate word. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that works. <laughs> Hooray? Yeah, yeah uh, we were playing Quiplash and she appeared on camera briefly and uh, quite a few of the answers in Quiplash suddenly turned into proposals of marriage and such. Aww. It was an experience for her, I think. <laughs> it was an experience for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yes, so Zoe's caught the streaming bug. Um, like, we, we were already just starting to get a setup for The Sims 2. And uh, if you are watching live, actually, uh, I can give you a little preview of the background graphic for it. Is That is the sort of title card. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So that's coming soon to twitch.tv slash dangerously unprepared. And she's already talking about wanting to do like a Crusader Kings challenge stream oh, and Stellaris stream. Oh. So hopefully lots more streaming at twitch.tv slash dangerously unprepared from Ooh. friend of the show, close, close friend of the show, Zoe. <laughs> Intimate friend. Intimate of friend of the show. <laughs> and yes, Kyrie, you need to get off your ass and do your FMV streams. F FMV Fridays. FMV and Fridays. To, and I need to do some horror games in general as well, I feel. 
Yes, I was actually thinking of um, doing some path streaming, but <gasps> I might let you do that instead. <laughs> yes! Because it was there, and I was like, oh, I need something to stream, something that's sort of shortish, but is worth reacting to. Oh, I know what I could do. <laughs> so that might happen. And, and me and you, Simon, got to get together to do some cleanup. Yes! Oh, awesome. Yes. It's for a cleanup detail. We need to do some kind of like local multiplayer type things, the, the two of us, so we can both be in the in the in the shot. That would also be very cool. Yeah. Yeah, we need to do more of this stuff. Yeah. It is it is something I am encouraging us all to get in on. Because the Dangerously Unprepared channel is all of ours. Oh my yes. god. It is? Oh yeah. Can I can I sell my share to some very, very, very like unsalubrious investors i mean yes but your share currently has negative value because running this whole thing costs money and we've made not a penny so <laughs> i'm not sure you'll get anything for it non-profit <laughs> very much non-profit they, they might literally just be talking about buying my eyes then it uh, could be speaking of which speaking of which <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we want to talk today about something that is a particular passion of at least one of us and seems to be making a bit of a comeback, and that is the genre of cyberpunk, with specific reference to Cyberpunk 2077 coming soon. Hooray! Which I've now seen the uh, the gameplay reveal thing for. Yes, so did I. And oh my lord. Yep. Now, I mean, when they say unfinished... They mean it. Like, yeah. This is CD Projekt Red, uh, who were the developers of The Witcher, which is, I've got to admit, not a franchise I enjoyed, but a franchise that was widely acclaimed. Hmm. Um, and they got into a little bit of heat because the early stuff they showed for Witcher 3 was better than the release. They had to sort of tone it down to get the full scale of the game working, which is not hugely uncommon. That big banner saying... You know, uh, unfinished work not representative of final gameplay. Don't think that means it's definitely going to get better. It might mean it's going to get a bit worse. Yeah, but, but the, narrat the narrator uh, as well, sort of pointing out like what you are about to see and what you have seen so far. Yeah, yeah, uh, they are very, very cautious. Of this one, I've been following this one closely. I'm in the Discord with a bunch of the developers. Uh, oh, cool. oh wow! And when they did the E3 demo, which, by the way, is what you've just watched. Um, oh, right. They okay. were very, very clear this is not something they were going to show to fans because it was unfinished and stuff would change and they had that Witcher 3 experience. Mm. Um, but everyone walked out of that E3 closed door blown away and just singing its praises. Then they did it at GamesCon and they had the same experience, like universally warm reception to this one. And and they caved, basically. They weren't going to show this. And then they decided, you know what? It's been described frame for frame by, by journalists <laughs> at this point. <laughs> People have effectively seen it. They might as well actually see it. So they put they've, it out. They've read, the, they've read the novelization at this point. Yes, that's kind of what happened. Because I, I genuinely saw more than one account where they described it scene for scene. And when I got to see it, I was like... Yeah, that is exactly what I was expecting to see from the descriptions. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad they actually just bit the bullet and did that. But cyberpunk as a genre. Yeah. What is it? 
my entire understanding of cyberpunk as a genre comes down to two things. Okay. Three things. Okay. <laughs> Blade Runner. Bubblegum yeah. Crisis. Yeah. Which is basically Blade Runner, the anime. Yeah, pretty much. And the book, The the uh, Electric Kid by, uh, what is it, Greg Kilworth or something like that? Okay. I don't know that one. It's a it's like a young adult book that I read maybe like, oh God, about 15, 20 years ago. Um, Gary Kilworth, that was the name. It's like, it is about like 100 pages. It's fucking tiny. Oh, Kilworth is a superb cyberpunk name. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, samurai for hire kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, oh, Matrix as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Matrix is totally Shit. cyberpunk. Yeah. 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 All right, so f- five five things. I mean, I would say most of that for me, but then I'd also throw in some more Animu with, like, Ghost in the Shell and uh, Battle Angel Iolita. Okay, so there's a lot more cyberpunk than that I was aware of that I was not aware that I was aware of. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil suggested Beneath a Steel Sky. I don't think that's cyberpunk. I think that's just science fiction. Because the defining element of cyberpunk is broadly accepted to be high tech and low life. Oh. So you've got your high-tech future, but it's about street-level existence. It's about crime and alternative culture. Mm. And uh, whilst you'll see depictions of big corporations, so you've got um, the Tyrell Corporation and Blade Runner. That's not what it's about. But they're there. But they're there. Uh, Dread? uh, Dread, interestingly, could be argued to be cyberpunk. And Depending on the, like the the writer of the the individual mm. like issue and whatnot, Red Dwarf I think might be a bit too comedy to be cyberpunk Mare Witch. <laughs> I, see, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, to be honest, by the standards of contemporary technology at the time Red Dwarf is set, they do not have high tech. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's more low tech, low life. I'm not sure that's the same thing. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Shadowrun. Shadowrun is absolutely cyberpunk mashed up with fantasy. Cool. All right. There's there's more out there. Than, uh, and and uh, 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 fucking Neuromancer. And Neuromancer is like the seminal work of yes. uh, cyberpunk. Which I have not read, but I have played about half an hour's worth of the uh, text adventure game a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah, Neuromancer is not the original piece of cyberpunk work but it's definitely the seminal work it's mm. the one that established it Is, um, did it coin the phrase or no it did not no. uh there oh. was a short story i can't remember if it was called cyberpunk or cyberpunk with a space or the cyberpunk or something like that but there was a short story i believe it was by bruce sterling which was like the original cyberpunk piece of work and then Shortly after that, Neuromancer came out, and it really established it as a genre. Yeah. And uh, there was the the Mirror Shade Brigade <laughs> came along there. Bruce Sterling, um, obviously William Gibson, and there were a couple of other writers mixed in there. 
who were the writers of this edgy, cool cyberpunk, which was very much about the encroaching technology that was about to change everyone's lives. The, the shit we live with every day now, uh, the internet and people uh, hacking phone systems and the as always the science fiction belief that certain technologies are closer than they actually feel especially body modification was a big part of it mm. so obviously when you're talking about the disruption of global communication and body modification it was very much about marginalized people loners uh whether those were criminals or punks or uh just nonconformists but that was very key to the genre it's uh the difference between sort of grand sci-fi and cyberpunk is, I think, that piece of the marginalized. Mm. Uh, that's what you've got very much in Blade Runner. Uh, it's the story of one marginalized group and another marginalized group because no one likes the Blade Runners and no one likes the replicants. And so the sort of part of society that people want to forget is is going on. Exactly, and spoilers, they're the same. Uh, you've got Neuromancer, which is very much about all sorts of street culture, not just criminals, but uh, very much um, counterculturalists, revolutionaries, all sorts of stuff going on there. Matrix, obviously, very much a counterculture movement mm. going on within a, a broader society. Uh, and it was cool. Yeah, I think... This is this is sort of part of. I remember reading a post about this a while back um, that was talking about how nowadays cyberpunk seems to focus more on the cyber and less on the punk. It, it's it's yes. less about the the downtrodden. It's less about uh, going up against authority, um, and is more just about cool tech toys and stuff like that. That's what I was going to get into. Was mm. w when I said it was cool. That's kind of its downfall. Ah. Like, it was about awesome body mods, you know, pushing yourself into superhuman feats and mirror shades and black leather and rainy nights and neon lights. <laughs> and and that aesthetic became cyberpunk. More so than the politics. Mm. So now if you look at um, what's considered cyberpunk today... Mm. It's increasingly moving away from that political message of the, the downtrodden uh, rebuilding their own social order. Uh, famous William Gibson quote, um, the street finds its own use for things. They're repurposing technology to rebuild a society that they want rather than the other way around. Yeah, uh, And it became, well, everything you saw in the trailer for Blade Runner 2049, the story of which was fine, but it was very much about holograms, neon lights, the mashing together of Asian and Western uh, aesthetics, which was mm. a big part of it as well. Um, and no, from the chat room, uh, cyberpunk is just an evolution of steampunk. It's actually the other way around. Um, cyberpunk predated steampunk. And, uh, well, there's sort of the... There's the Victoriana science fiction that steampunk looks back to, but steampunk as a genre came out of cyberpunk uh, when people got bored... Uh, the, the people who were writing sort of reacted to it by doing something different. You had diesel punk coming out of it, steampunk coming out of it. 
Uh, steampunk I'm not a big fan of because the political message of that one largely is colonialism rather than <laughs> counterculturalism. Whereas I fucking love dieselpunk. And Dieselpunk's fucking boss. I am currently actually writing a, a dieselpunk novel. Are you? About uh, female pilots uh, during a sort of dieselpunk World War II. Sweet. I, oh. I saw a thing... Solarpunk. Yeah. Oh my god, Solarpunk is cool. Yep, Solarpunk is very cool. Zoe came in to just say that one word at me. Uh, <laughs> Biopunk as well? Biopunk uh, is a thing. I just read a really good Biopunk story, actually. Yeah? Uh, fuck, what was the name of it? Um, yeah, Orphan Black is a good example of Biopunk, mm. but I read a story... Uh, it's a novel, and I cannot remember the name of it, but if I look at my Kindle history... I will so be able to find Mostly what it. I remember from, from Biopunk will be things like um, Repo and uh, Gattaca. Mm. Autonomous was the name. Ooh, okay. uh, it's about a um, rogue drug synthesizer who is taking patented medicines, generating... It's, it's more chemistry punk than biopunk, yeah. um, and generating her own sort of off-brand versions of patented medicines and distributing them in a sort of black market way from a submarine. Uh, there's a lot more to cool. it than that, but it's very, very cool. Um, uh, in, in the chat we've got nuclear punk. Like, would you say, like, atom punk? I think atom um, punk is definitely a thing. Um, would you would you class, like, the Fallout games? Certainly as they are now, nowadays, uh, kind of yeah. 50s retro feel to them. Mm. Yeah, I think that would fit. But I was just going to say, I saw the most awesome diesel punk thing. It was uh, a Soviet um, oil excavation rig. That it's designed to work on land, not on water, and it's just a fucking enormous, like sand crawler sized. Mm. But it's not on tracks. It's not on wheels. It's technically a walker because it has oh God. Um, off-center cams that lift up this huge footplate, move it forward, drop it down, and then just heave the whole thing up in a little arc to move it forward a few feet, and then just keeps going. It's the most diesel punk looking thing because it's been running for decades. It is covered in rust. It is covered it's, in weld patches. It's a thing of beauty. It's amazing. So the, the politics sort of evolved off into all these different types of punk and cyberpunk became um, a good example. Altered Carbon. Oh, that rings a bell. Uh, it was recently adapted into a TV series. The, on Netflix, Netflix, Netflix original series. Yes, Netflix yeah. original. Uh, where, I mean, there is an element of low life to go along with the high tech, but it's very much the cool, more, it's style over substance. And arguably, there's some philosoph uh, philosophical leanings in it, but Matrix, again, kind of more style than substance. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, like, Syndicate, not the original Syndicate, although... That too, but like the EA version of Syndicate, the game, uh, Deus Ex to a degree have become more style over substance because whilst they tried to have a political message in Deus Ex, it was a terrible analogy. Uh, <laughs> was it? Was this the wait, Human Revolution or the? Um, uh, I'm I'm going to go for whatever they called it, mechanical apartheid or whatever they called it oh, in terms of right, the yeah. horrible analogy, <laughs> uh, or yeah. indeed like Detroit Become Human. Um, so not played that. It's. I think Kyrie and I both agree it's not a good game, but it is fun. Yeah, I think because it's what you David Cage. What we should do, uh, Jack, is we should basically we should sit down and we should we should stream that. 
It's the two. <laughs> a la Heavy Rain. A la Heavy Rain. A la yes. Heavy Rain. <laughs> yes. I'm current, kind of doing that at the moment with Alex in that I'm going over to his and playing uh, The Last of Us. Oh, cool. Well, he's already finished the game, but he wants to watch it, like so, see the story again in time for two. Yeah. And I'd never played it, so... I'm getting that experience mm. firsthand and fuck the first 10 minutes of that game as a father. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I, yes. <laughs> I've played the, I've played the first 10 minutes of that game. Like, fuck me. That game. It's great. Um, funnily enough as well, I just, I didn't even know we were going to be doing this episode because obviously we, we, we came up with the idea for this episode, what, like half an hour before we started recording? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, I went into um, Nostalgia Comics in uh, Birmingham uh, this last weekend, this this last long weekend. Oh, good old Nostalgia. Yeah, and I actually bought something in there for the first time ever because like, I realised that it's not just Funko Pops in there. Um, <laughs> so I, I finally bought some Junji Ito uh, horror manga, but I also picked up um, Ghost in the Shell uh 1.5 the the manga um, oh man machine oh, right. interface no no that's two it's uh human processor error yes sorry that's the one yeah yeah so it's the one that's all like uh procedural crime stories it's a good book yeah i have not read it yet but it's, it's quite thin so i should be able to get through it quite quickly mm. but i'm looking forward to it and i have managed to find the reference it was bruce bethke who came up with the title cyberpunk for a short story in 1980 making the genre the same age as me <laughs> it, it was clearly meant to be it was published three years later. Um, oh, okay. But he wrote Cyberpunk in 1980, which is quite a fun little story. It is very... It, all of the tropes you'd expect are there. It is very the sort of... The punk criminal gangs terrifying the normies because of their understanding and ability to use technology to subvert society. It, it's very much what you would expect. And yeah, so William Gibson, Bruce Sterling, Pat... Cadigan, all of the Mirror Shade Brigade sort of read that and went, ooh, yes, that. Um, and Neuromancer, <laughs> Neuromancer came a year later. Because I, I love the story of how William Gibson became a novelist. Uh, he had a plan, and it was a sensible plan. Like, uh, he wanted to write, he wanted to write science fiction, and after reading Cyberpunk, he wanted to write Cyberpunk. Uh, but he knew he was not experienced enough to feel comfortable writing a novel-length piece of work. So he decided there's a, this was the 80s, there was a lot of short story media going around, lots of magazine collections and anthologies. So he decided, I'm going to spend some time, a year, maybe two, writing short stories, honing my ideas, honing my abilities, and getting comfortable with the process of writing professionally. And he wrote uh, Johnny Mnemonic which you may know from the Keanu Reeves film adaptation. What a great film. I like it. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> but I, it has a camp charm. What a faithful adaptation. <laughs> it certainly wasn't that. Um, but arguably no cyberpunk written work has ever had a faithful adaptation. Uh, I've ca I can't think of one. Mm. Uh, I mean, Blade Runner is hugely divergent from the original text. Oh, hugely yeah, yeah. divergent. Uh, but anyway, uh, he wrote Johnny Mnemonic, and it was hugely successful. So much so that a publisher went, we want to sign you to a book deal. <laughs> Leaving him All in a right. quandary. Uh, as a professional writer who wanted to break in, he had just been offered 
the the end goal of a professional writer, a novel contract. But his two years of practice had been condensed into I've written one. <laughs> um, um, okay, I'll take the deal, and then panically, you know, just in fear, wrote Neuromancer. Uh, all in one go because he suddenly had a deadline and no idea what he was doing and nice. just churned out a book <laughs> and it became the seminal cyberpunk work that established the genre. He was pretty lucky. Yeah. I love that story. I love it, but I wish someone would offer me a book deal. Ditto. Even if I had to just panic write a novel, I would I would definitely love to do that. I, <laughs> I only panic write. <laughs> You you follow the Philip K. Dick method of just constant panic writing. Uh, I mean, yes, but with much less drugs. I was going to say much less speed. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I was thinking the other day. You know, just I had a shower thought. If you're familiar with the term. Oh yes. And I was just thinking. Imagine if Philip K. Dick's life had coincided with the existence of the Kindle single as a publishing medium. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, Philip K. Dick's brought out a new book. Oh, Philip Kiddick brought a new book. Exactly. Unsubscribe because my fucking Kindles are going bing, bing, bing. He would have released a dozen new sort of novellas a week, and like one of them a month would be good. <laughs> it's this. I love the scattergun of like uh, approach to writing a fucking novel. He was oh. an interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it was basically film noir with the internet. But in the 80s. But in the 80s. And so it was the 80s vision of what the internet would be. One of my favourite things about cyberpunk as a genre is all of those writers I've mentioned. I pretty much universally came up with the idea of a completely immersive, full sensorium experience internet. And not one of them came up with the idea of the mobile phone. Ha! Because <laughs> eh. we wouldn't need it. We'd all be like plugging in through our brain stems or whatever. Oh, they still had phones. Oh, but it was just landlines. Awesome. Just not mobile. <laughs> huh. I love, I love shit like that where you can look at an old bit of sci-fi which has some far-reaching idea in one way, and then you look at the other way and go, well, "We grew out of those in the fucking seventies. What's this all about?" Yeah, I almost feel like the the sort of archaic presence of landline phones in so much cyberpunk is a deliberate reference in the Matrix. Mm. You know, the fact that they have to use the hard lines. I I like to think that's a thing. It's probably not. But I, I, what I, what I also love is when, yeah, like uh, a modern uh, retelling or usage of a franchise that is sort of historical um, will sort of work within that. My, my, my favorite one for that is uh, Alien Isolation. Hmm. Is that the entire premise of Alien Isolation is you've got to go to this place and pick up this file, and like, why? Why can't I just like? Why can you just? send it to me, like, email it over to me. It's like, no, 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 it's 1979 future. You've got to go and physically pick up <laughs> yep. the disc. We, we can't send it to you wirelessly. What, what do you think this is? I love that what shit. What do you think this is? 90s future? No, this is 70s future. We haven't imagined wireless technology yet. It's such such a great little... like. You don't think about it at first. You just... It's the game. You accept that you've got to go and pick the thing up. And then you start to question it. And then you start to realise why... Oh, I fucking love that. Yeah, I mean, uh, as as we said, um, 
anime very much picked up on the cyberpunk thing. So the sort of yes. initial burst of the mirror shades was very much done in a decade. Like by the mid nineties, the original cyberpunk writers were starting to write other genres or, or indeed parodying cyberpunk themselves. Uh, possibly my favorite example of which is head crash. Uh, named sort of slightly jokingly after Snow Crash, which was Neil Stevenson's great cyberpunk entry, one of the the, the great works of the cyberpunk canon. Mm. Uh, Head Crash is just a piss take from start to end of what cyberpunk is, written 10 years later when they've all grown up a bit. Um, it, it's about a character called Max Cool, uh, who is just desperate to be cool enough to have a lot of sex and doesn't get it because he's not as cool as he thinks he is having a terrible time because whilst he thinks he's that high tech low life subverting everything everyone else is actually better at it than him oh. uh, <laughs> well no it's not they're not better than him they're just they use it smarter yeah like he could do anything but he mostly Imagine a cyberpunk level leaked hacker with a 4chan, old school 4chan mentality. Oh, oh god. god. Uh, he's wow. just bad at being a cyberpunk hero. And um, Neil Stevenson famously uh, starts Diamond Age, which is a really good book, by the way, uh, but very much not a cyberpunk book. It's a sort of post scarcity, far future, utopian, well, not utopian, but utopian seeming, dystopian, I guess, um, science fiction. And he starts it by introducing this character who is like the living embodiment of cyberpunk. It's like he's trying to recreate Raven from um, No Crash, you know, full on black leather, mirrored shades, augments, high tech, jacked up firearms and just having the guy get curb stomped. <laughs> Literally just starting his book with the figurative death of cyberpunk and then moving on to write another genre. Nice. nice. Uh, it's pretty on the nose, but I, I'll, I'll give him a pass. Yep, it, it, it got a chuckle from me, because it was not yeah. meant to be anything more than a completely on the nose statement that he was moving on, I mm. think. Uh, it, anime picked it up and ran with it a little longer than that. Like Ghost in the Shell mm. is still being made, yeah, <laughs> and retweaked and re-released, and I mean it's not as bad as Ava at this point, but um, yeah, like I, I'm gonna ask you something because I I, I realise I, I don't think I've ever posed, posed this question to you. Ghost in the Shell one, mm -hmm. right, or Ghost in the Shell two? Oh, you mean as in which do I prefer? Yeah. Uh, that's really hard because yeah. they are both my favorite example of different types of anime because the, they are very different films. The action with the action with philosophy movie or the philosophy with action movie. Yeah, I I would say one is sort of a westernized anime that was very much geared towards success in America mm. and one wasn't. So that sort of made for export versus made for domestic audience. Uh, I I see them as so different that I can't really compare them. Uh, I love them both. That is a that is a good answer. It is a bitch answer, but it is a good answer. If I had to choose though, yeah. I would say the first one. Okay, cool. I would say Ghost in the Shell over Innocence. Uh because I made the first one. 
More major. Yes. That's basically it. Like, the major's presence in Innocence is superb, but she is a central character in the first one. Yeah. And her whole journey in that film is, to me, the sort of soul of what Ghost in the Shell is as a franchise. Uh, so I much prefer the first one. But I prefer Standalone Complex to both of them. Yay! More time to develop every character. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back and watch those again at some point. Yes, I, I've been yearning a standalone complex rewatch, I have to say. You know, I never actually finished um, Second Gig. Oh, the Second Gig is so good, though. Second Gig is great. Yeah, the Second the second Gig is interesting because it, it has sort of multiple arcing storylines rather than a single one. And I really like them all, um, but I really like the episode that basically confirms that it's set in the Eden of the East universe. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great little bit when it happens. Yep. Uh, but in Western culture, it kind of went away a little bit. Uh, there were still hardcore people clinging on to it, like the publishers of Shadowrun very much have kept it alive a little bit. Um, East East Eight as well was another RPG yep. that yeah and uh, Mike Pondsmith of course with Cyberpunk twenty twenty keeping it alive uh, which was yeah. a re release not we I know uh, a lot of people are speculating that CD Projekt Red will release Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven in Cyberpunk twenty twenty <laughs> I mean yeah if they're still developing it now they've mm. recently said that they're targeting twenty nineteen right. But it's not impossible. So a lot of people are expecting, like, holiday 2019, you'll be playing it in 2020. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, that seems to be the, the speculation. But Cyberpunk seems to be having a bit of a resurgence. Like, there's recently been a Shadowrun um, re-release. Like, it's been picked up, reworked, and released as a rules-like game, Shadowrun Anarchy, which looks really fun. There's a new edition of the Cyberpunk tabletop game coming out. There's um, Altered Carbon. On Netflix, as I was saying, there's the new Blade Runner 2049. Uh, we've got the Hairbrain Schemes Shadowrun games coming out, and now Cyberpunk 2077. It seems to be we've hit the time in the cycle where that 80s future is now retro nostalgic, and Cyberpunk is coming back. So what you're saying is it will it's having its resurgence. It will start to grow in popularity again. It will reach a bubble. The bubble will burst. People will split off into into looking for the other sort of uh, spin-off and and uh, extra punk series. By which point, my diesel punk novel will be finished, and I will be making <laughs> millions. Hopefully, yeah. If you can time it right, there might be a <laughs> diesel punk resurgence coming. Fantastic. <laughs> There's got to be a perfect time for for people wanting to read about giant robots and punching Nazis. In fairness, that does sound like something that would be pretty popular right now. Right? <laughs> I'm just looking at the list of cyberpunk publications on Wikipedia, and some of the movies are really reaching. Yeah. Hackers. I mean, they were punks doing cybery stuff. They were doing normal tech low lives. That's kind of the point. Was it not, was it not high tech for, what was it, 19... 32 or whatever <laughs> not especially oh, the planet. it was just sort of ordinary tech 
Uh, Dread is on the list. Yeah. So is Ex Machina, actually. Ah. Which, yeah, I'm I'm willing to put it in the category. I think that's fine. And, like, all of Ghost in the Shell is here. It has its own little section in the list. (laughs) Like, okay, all of these Ghost in the Shell things are cyberpunk, and it's just all of them. So first movie, second movie, spin-off stuff, series, Arise. Yes, I found out, you remember, uh, at Ame, I found Ghost in the Shell, the new movie on Blu-ray. Yes. It is a movie that spins off from the Arise OAVs. Ah. Right. Yeah, okay. It is a, a feature-length um, Arise story. Is it good? Uh, it's not terrible. Like, uh, okay. I'm, I'm, Arise is growing on me on revisiting it. I, re- I remember you weren't entirely sold on it when you first yeah. saw it. Yeah, It's not my favourite interpretation, but with some time and a chance to revisit it, uh, it's it's good. It's a different take. I've recently, like, over the last few years, I've become a lot more open to adaptations adapting their source material. Hmm. Uh, I'm not one of these people now who's like, oh, it's nothing like the original... Or, you know, if, if you're making something from a book going, oh, it's not like the book, they changed it. And changing it isn't bad, I'm coming to realize, like, more and more. Provided mm. the reason for changing it isn't, like, the, the entire be-all and end-all reason for changing it isn't simply to antagonize the original fan base. Yes, 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 yes which, exactly. is actually that. which is which is Anno Hideaki's method, which I, <laughs> on one hand, love, and on the other hand, detest. Like, yeah. Like, I, I don't know why i i've i used to have that thing i'm I'm a nerd we like to say oh they're making a thing out of this and then it's not like the thing and we go that makes me sad that makes me hit the desk um but i love blade runner and blade runner is nothing like do androids dream of electric sheep so i've always known that adaptation where you change it is fine Mm. it's taken me a while to apply that more broadly and go oh actually that is just fine uh, but equally, I, like you can also, uh, you can also dislike uh, aspects of reimaginings and and uh, reboots and and readaptations and that sort of. Thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. You yeah. can look at it and go, they've made something different, and it's not for me. Yeah, but equally, you know, uh, if it is fine on its own, if in its own rights it's a good thing, then what's the problem? Calm the fuck down. It's it's its own thing. And really, if you look at Innocence versus the original manga versus standalone complex, mm. all of the Ghost in the Shell adaptations have been notably different. Oh, yeah. There's no, yeah. There's no lesbian orgies on a yacht, for one thing. <laughs> there are in my mind. Um, <laughs> but this, it was a bigger divergence like you can follow a path through them where it's little changes little changes little changes and gradual difference mm, mm. and you don't really notice the jarring connection and then arise was more notably different than other variations Which so it of, jarred me yeah uh, but revisiting it it's its own thing and it's fine i like it like i remember one of the things that got me thinking about this was i don't read or watch the walking dead yeah, but there was an interview with the writer, uh, who was asked why the TV series does not in any way follow the plot of the comic book, despite the fact he is writing both and has complete creative control over both. He huh. said, "Well, that's why I already wrote that one. Uh, I, d- I don't want to write the same thing again. How boring would that be? No, I'm, I'm 
writing a new thing, so I'm going to write something different. Cool. It's like a what if. Yeah, it's just an alternative universe Walking Dead story. He's like, yeah. if you want the original story, like, there are so many books. Yes, yeah, so it's, many. It's already there. So, <laughs> He's got it all. So many. A lot of people, um, a good example is the Game of Thrones adaptation. There's a lot of people who don't like the way that's different, are different from the books. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't read or watch it, so it makes no difference to me. But it's an adaptation. It's its own thing. You either like it or you don't. Or you, you might like one version and not the other, or you might like both, or you might like neither. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm I'm like the one I'm like the one person in the office that doesn't fucking give a shit about Game of Thrones. <laughs> but one of the big things that kept Cyberpunk alive in the the lull was the tabletop game. And I think as it's us, we would be remiss not to talk about the RPG called Cyberpunk in an episode about Cyberpunk. What is an RPG? <laughs> we've we've done that episode. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. I'm just I'm just gonna echo, echo the first page of every RPG book. <laughs> Yeah, Cyberpunk is a role-playing game by Mike Pondsmith, who is best known for writing the role-playing game Cyberpunk. Uh, Wait, hang on a minute. <laughs> that is the most circular, shitty way of describing someone ever. <laughs> I know. I, it's my way of saying that you. it's not a name you should know from other things. It's not like gotcha. he's a famous uh, Wizards of the Coast writer or anything. No, this, right, is, okay. this is what he does. This is, right, it's it's right. not Monty Cook's Cyberpunk. That's right. Um, and he wrote Cyberpunk uh, back in 88, I think it was. Oh, so the RPG is from the same year as me. Yes. See, it's all tying in. It's all tying in. And that was originally simply titled Cyberpunk. It was very quickly replaced by a second edition called Cyberpunk 2020 in 1990. Is it because uh... you look back at the problems with the first edition and then fixed them and then was like, ah, hindsight. And partly that, yes, yeah. you know, uh, partly because it was quite a small budget thing, couldn't playtest it hugely, and once it hit the streets, it was like, okay, there are problems, yeah, we, we can patch these up, sure. And it was a really interesting game. I love it, because it has some proper nonsense in there. <laughs> uh, I love that street cred is a stat in the game, yeah. and an important one. Um like a lot of RPGs, it has classes. Uh, they are not what you would expect. We are not talking about clerics and druids here. We are talking about uh, media. You can be like a journalist, and that's your deal. Uh, net runner. That means you are a hacker. You can also be yeah. a rocker boy. I fucking rocker love that. Boy. Rocker boy is literally just an anti-authoritarian musician. <laughs> that's a class. That's yeah. awesome. Cyberpunk bard. Sweet. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like a bard, but with extra rage. It's a barbarian. Oh god. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, you can be a corporate. You can Damn be... it, Kyrie. <laughs> you can be a corporate. You can work for the big mega corporations and have that backing, but also those limitations. Uh, you can be the techie, the, the guy who can fix shit. Uh, you can be a fixer, someone with all the contacts. Uh, nomad. Uh, they're like the survivalist. You are you are someone of no fixed abode. You know all the roads. You know all the uh, highways and byways. You know all the transient folk. Or you can be a solo, just a murder machine. <laughs> uh, which is largely what you will be playing in the video game. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, like any game, you know, a party requires a good combination of the above. Uh, always have a rocket boy. They are more useful than you think. Huh. Got to use those social skills. Yep. And this is broadly set in Night City, which is a slab of West Coast America that incorporates big chunks of California, uh, but also some of the stuff to the north of California as well. Uh, well, no, Night City is in there. Sorry, it's... Um, yeah. Night City is a city in the region. I'm trying to remember what the region that is like... The, the Free State of North California. That's the one. The Free yes. State of North California. Yeah, I, I literally just watched the trailer before. The, yes. the, the gameplay trailer before we did this. So yeah. And like a lot of cyberpunk settings, there is basically no governmental infrastructure there is no police there's no hospitals there's no, none of that that's all collapsed it's all owned by corporations now so it's extremely easy to fall through the cracks into the under society which is generally where you will be as a player um and it is the the core of high-tech low life that is very much the point of it and uh, character creation has the normal stats and stuff you'd expect, but it also has your life path, which are, you know, the significant life events that have happened to you that define you as a character and give you some weird motivations and shit, uh, which is super fun. Uh, and that is all in the video game. Because yeah. CD Projekt Red, after The Witcher, announced they would be working on a game based on Cyberpunk 2020. And I was like, yeah, okay, that could be cool. I didn't like The Witcher, but, uh, you know, I've not really liked anything CD Projekt Red have done because mostly what they've done is The Witcher. And then they announced that Mike Pondsmith was working with them. Good start, yeah. I was like, that's got my interest. And then it was announced that Mike Pondsmith would be writing a new version of the tabletop rulebook alongside the development of the game uh, oh. to update the world alongside video game pushing the timeline forward uh, because cyberpunk very much has an alternate timeline that diverges some point in the 70s i think and there is you can go into like the history of the world and how it came to be what it is and the nuclear wars that happened and the biological um contaminants that caused various places to be as they are and basically like how we got to this fucking point exactly so it establishes yeah. all the political tensions between everyone uh, and and he's just, updating I, that history to run into the year 2077 alongside the release of the video game. I just looked that up, by the way. You are right. They have literally just done The Witcher. Yes, the that, the that is all they've really done. Yeah, the first project they were involved with was like they were going to port um, uh, the Xbox Baldur's Gate game to PC. Yes, uh, and then the company fell. Like, the company they were doing it for fell through. So literally, the first thing they got collapse and something something The Witcher. Yep. <laughs> and then The Witcher was hugely successful, and mm. in a matter of 14 years, they've gone from... I, I saw a photo earlier of their first E3 booth. Booth is a very generous term. <laughs> they had a little partitioned-off section in one of the demo areas with a single PC and like a, a printed-out printer paper sign saying CD Projekt Red. Oh, and uh, I, think I, have se I think I've seen that picture myself, actually. Yep, and that was at the 2004 E3. And then this year they built their own sort of Night City themed underworld bar um, called Cyberpunk, <laughs> uh, with wait, a wait, which was 
Have I seen photos of the guy who played um oh what's his name? Uh Connor from from um Detroit Become Human in there. Possibly. Like just hanging out with people. I don't know. I swear I found those somewhere. Like maybe. Um and so they yeah, they built their whole bar as a waiting area for the closed room demo that they were doing. Uh so they've they've come a long way in 14 years, and that's all Witcher money. And I mean, one of the things was like uh, the Witcher games. Speaking of adaptation, diverged from the Witcher novels. Yep. Uh, in a way that some fans don't like, which mm. is why it was only when Pondsmith was announced to be working with them, I perked up and went, "Oh, hello. Okay, so you are going to stick close to the tone of the original, then? Hmm. Color me intrigued." And now we've, and then we've seen bits and pieces since then of you know. Some well, shots. They things. released the the very very short teaser years ago with mm-hmm. the uh, the cyber psycho with the mantis blades being taken down uh, by the psycho squad. Mm. Yeah, and that. and that wet a lot of appetites because it was a very cool little sort of tone piece that had me at like a a two out of ten. Yep. And then five years went by. Which brought me down. <laughs> yeah. And, and then their Twitter posted the word beep. Right. No, really, that, that happened. Just After just five beep. years of silence, they just posted the word beep. <laughs> and people lost their fucking minds. <laughs> okay. As, as they do, you know. And then at E3, we had the, the trailer reveal. Yes, the trailer with that car. Yep. Tell, tell me what you thought of the trailer, guys. What's I really like the trailer. I saw Cyberpunk, but during the day. <laughs> Daytime. Daytime Cyberpunk. That was nice. Yeah, like uh, Cyberpunk is traditionally associated with a rainy night. Yeah. Which is why they did that. They've so talked sunny, about that. A sunny Californian day. Yeah, yeah, this the little thing at the end. What did you think of that? Um... Oh, I, I I'm really impressed. Um, I like the train journey from at the beginning and seeing all the different augments and just yeah. And then he gets when they got the character gets into the car and just the the car. I just love the car. The car is badass. It is perfect cyberpunk. It is what in the eighties yeah. you would imagine a shit hot futuristic sports car would look like. Yeah. <laughs> and also the fact they said you know this is one of many vehicles you'll be able to use, including uh, motorcycles like sold. Yep, same, same. <laughs> and other vehicles, I'm like, if that don't fucking include a helicopter, I'm going to be very upset. Why would it include a helicopter? They literally have flying cars. Because it's a helicopter. Flying cars. You can't hack someone to, up with, with hover car blades. Uh, from everything the developers have said, you won't actually be able to control any flying vehicles. Ah, that makes uh, it's a constraint of the way they've done the city building. Um, yeah. They don't want to give you too much freedom. Ground level freedom is fine. You can you can get where you need to go from the ground. Yeah. Um, you will be able to take flying cars, but you will not be able to control them. They will be sort of pre-scripted. Ah. Simon? Yes? Is now a really good time to point out I just, just had a look in the TriCast thing and it says it's not recording. Uh, no, now would be a terrible time because if I start now, then we won't have most of it. But we've got the Twitch stream. It's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> Twitch stream sounds fine. I'm going to press the button. <laughs> this is not the first time this has happened. 
Now it's recording. There it is go. now recording. Yeah. Yep, I've Hello done... and welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Kyrie. Um, no, we've, we've got the Twitch stream audio. I've done that before. It sounds fine. Uh, oh, we'll all be okay. All be okay. Jesus it's one of, it's one of the reasons I like streaming it, because there's always an archive. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to very quickly have a, have a, a calm down Pez. Yes, good idea. Yeah. You, you so, calm yourself with the Pez. The trailer took me to like a 5 out of 10. Mm. From that very low, I was like, oh, this this is intriguing. Yes, and I was much the same. Considering that I'd, I'd played The Witcher 2 for all of an hour, I think, first time around, and it didn't grab me. And then I got which are free on a sale. And I played that for a lot longer. I was like, okay, I can kind of see why this is popular. Obviously we, you know, our Witcher fan isn't with us tonight. No. <laughs> Rob will tell you uh, that the Witcher is good. Yes. So I was like, okay, they've got pedigree to make, of making good content for games. Let's yes. I will we- say Witcher is not my style, but it was incredibly well received. Mm. And it's like, let's see where this goes. And then you linked through this video. I did. And, oh my lord. Yep. So at E3, uh-huh. as, as I was saying, they showed a behind-closed-doors demo. And because I live in London and have an interest in gaming, I know a couple of games journos who had seen it and were very excited about what they had seen. Uh, but CD Projekt Red said it's behind-closed-doors demo. It's not the public it's not ready for that and then they showed it at gamescon and again i know people who went to see it and were very excited about it and indeed as we said earlier wrote blow by blow accounts of the whole piece from beginning to end every story beat every detail at which point cd project red basically decided if i can have seen it at this point fuck it let's release it <laughs> so now well. we have seen the behind closed doors demo uh, of CD Projekt Red's Cyberpunk 2077. Guys, what did you think? Uh, it took me from my five to, you know, I cranked it up to 11. I like the bit where she shot the man in the legs with a shotgun and his legs went away. <laughs> yeah. Then she shot him in the head and his head exploded and then he said, oh, fuck my legs. And, yeah. Well, that's the thing. He starts saying, Jesus Christ, my legs, before the head gets blown off. Yeah. But doesn't stop saying it when the head gets blown off. Which no. It is an early in-development no, version. No. That's what I love that because it made me just go, okay, yeah, no, this is definitely still, it's a work in progress. It's not them just making a cinematic that any, you know, right. they could I'll tell you them. what did yeah. that for me, right? Because I have seen people saying online, no way this is live play. No, this is no way this is a player actually running through it. It's too slick, too polished. Yeah. Um, for one thing, like I said, I know people who've seen the behind closed doors demo and they were saying, okay, can you turn around and look at that? And the, guy controlling it would do it and so they were like okay this is definitely live but for the the one they released is the fact that in the boss fight they have the weak point and the player completely fucking whiffs the shot yes that's when i knew this was real because he does the, the super combat slide you know scooting along the ground turning around to shotgun the weak point at close range fucks it up and just panics and hides <laughs> only to then do it again and get it right the second time and i'm like yep that's that's a real playthrough right there yep. it, it was a bit for me when you're going to get your new uh, they were going to get their, their new eye and the, the ripper doc scene yeah but it was when they 
walked out from the building to the open air and it was just so pretty. Yeah. The blue sky there and all the people, different types of people. It's like, Jesus Christ, this game. I want, is, is... Voiced, I want to know who voiced that Ripper because it sounded like young Lance Henriksen. It was really weird. <laughs> and yeah, the Ripper doc scene was just like, it's when the eye turns on and it's looking at yourself. Yeah, that got a lot of write-up. Everyone really liked that scene. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, the Ripper docs are the people who will augment you. That's where you buy your upgrades. And things like your HUD are literally tied into your augments. Like, V does not have a reticule for aiming until she gets that eye. If you look at the first firefight and later firefights, changing the eye changes the on-screen display, hmm. which is really cool. So is, is V the generic name for both sexes? Or? Yes, the character is called V. You can't change the character name, but you can change whether it's a man or a woman. Okay. Uh, v, obviously, it's one of those names that it's clearly not your given name, so you can imagine your name is whatever you want. It's, yeah. it's like Shepard. It's the part of the name you can't change, but around that you can build whatever description of the person in your head that you want. Mm. And, and I will. And, and her room, which goes into a weapon locker, and it's like, oh, look at all the empty slots for future weapons. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of room for expansion. <laughs> i tell you what I really liked, yeah. uh, and that was the liveliness of Night City. Yes. It's something you know I've been playing a lot of Yakuza 0 lately. Yeah, I'm, I've been playing it myself. And I read an interesting article about why the city in Yakuza 0 feels more alive than something like Grand Theft Auto, even though Grand Theft Auto technically has more people in it. And a much larger map. And a much larger map. Uh, and it's, it's really, really simple. I hadn't noticed it consciously but i had noticed it subconsciously and once i saw it in this article it was one of those slap the forehead of course moments what's that uh couples uh yeah. in, in gta everyone is doing their own thing yeah in yakuza yeah. zero there are people walking hand in hand there are little knots of three or four friends yeah there are multiple animations for characters interacting with vending machines uh there are people doing things people do. When you go to Osaka, there's all the drunk people. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and, and the hawkers outside the stores who will follow you along the street shouting until you yeah. move too far away and then go back and yell at someone else. Uh, can, can attest, totally accurate. Yes. <laughs> I thought you might be able to, to verify that one. And it's the simple pocket tissue guys mm, walk up to yeah. them and it's like, here's pocket tissue. It's like, yeah. that's, that's how it is. So I, I love that. That was, that's the difference between like Japan and Estonia was the fir first thing that happened to me in Japan is someone came over to me and gave me a packet of tissues. In Estonia, the first thing someone did was came over to me and gave me a condom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they were doing like a big safe sex drive thing. That's cool. But even though there are fewer NPCs, they're doing things people do and it makes the city feel more alive. Looking at Night City, it's the same way. You know, you've got a group of people hanging out on the steps, smoking. You've got people walking in groups together. You've got people hanging out, leaning up against a wall. You've got just believable behavior. Just yeah. living their lives. But also a really dense number of people at the same time. A lot of people living their lives. So, yeah, it feels really, really 
alive as a city, and I like that. You know, mm. you should be part of this sort of urban sprawl where people get lost in the crowd. That's part of cyberpunk. Mm. And during the day, as we said, like the developers, Mike Pondsmith said it's easy to make cyberpunk look like cyberpunk at night. Yeah. We wanted to see if we could do it in the day and sell it. And yeah, they managed. Works for me. Hmm. Yeah. It went really quiet. It did. Yeah, I was waiting to see if anyone else had any other comments on the, the playthrough. Oh, I, uh, I mean, uh, the interaction with the um, corporate lady. It's just like, you bitch. <laughs> I really like that bit. Um, yeah. It's one of the cheesier moments in the narration. Like, mm. I, I prefer narration like this to the horrible, fake, scripted voice yeah. chat dialogue that you I get did like the like narr- Anthem. I did like the narrator over the top, just going, and the choices you can make are varied. He sounded so fucking sinister in places, I loved it. <laughs> My favourite bit was actually at the corp, where you're, you're turning up and you can see the corporate agent and her muscle. I was like, yeah. These guys are levels above us. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I like the way he says weapon. You might be tempted to draw your gun, but that would be unwise. <laughs> Imagine what would have happened if we'd gone in all guns blazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was That's... the cheesiest fucking voiceover, but it worked. I also, that was another bit I liked. When you were trying to purchase the, the bot mm. and... You know, the other guy comes stomping in and da, 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 and he gets to the point where the only option is draw gun. And I'm wondering if that's like a renegade interrupt in Mass Effect. Like, yeah. if you don't do it, will it run on long enough that another option appears? Mm. But if you're impulsive, the only thing you can do is draw the gun. But if you're patient, you get to smooth it out a little. It'll be like interesting par- to find out. And like your partner as well. Jackie. Jackie. I'll be honest, I'm not sure how long Jackie has to live in the full game. Like, no. he seems like a guy getting set up to die dramatically. He makes some <laughs> dumbass decisions. He does make some dumbass decisions. Don't but so does V if you want her to. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, Hello, just default, he just default goes, I'm going to square off <laughs> with the man who has replaced his own fucking face with headlights. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with, with a whole crew of people who have replaced their faces with Kitty. headlights. There is a kitty on the stream, yes. <laughs> We've been interrupted by a cat. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> You're famous, Kitty. You have an audience. Yes, How we can I, hear you. And if you're How listening I, to the podcast, you've got no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> There's an unhappy kitty. He does not like being guddled. <laughs> so how do I go about joining the guys who, again, replace their faces with... <laughs> the, the maelstrom. Yeah, how do I go about joining those guys? They seem like they've got their heads on straight. Uh, not not after V's done with them. Well, yeah, good point. Some of them literally don't have their heads on. Jesus Christ, my legs! <laughs> and my head! And my head, apparently! Thank God I had this speaker system put in my chest! <laughs> okay, I was expecting you to have a lot to say. Yeah, we, we were hoping Katie camera. would chat, but... He's been, he's been more chatty off of camera. He's been screaming in the background for a while, so he has. I thought he wanted to come and chat, but... Oh. Did you not no. want to join in? Are you not part of this? Okay. 
<laughs> you, you are a black cow on a black background right now. I'm kind of glad that I've got the brightness up and, yeah. and the green screen is not perfect because everyone can see your outline. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, uh, the Mantis Blade sequence was just... Was like, yes. It's, again, the narration. Now we're just going to unlock some features <laughs> that you'll get later in the game. I, I did like that as a sort of just blatant, okay, now we're going to go God mode, just so you can <laughs> see what late game will be like. Now I'm going to hack this guy and then literally hack this guy. <laughs> oh, hey, we have Mantis Blades and smart guns, and oh my God, it's all gone insane. I can stick to the wall and double jump and air dash and do all the things that you can totally do as a real person. <laughs> Ooh, a tech rifle. Oh, the weapons were so cool. Yep, well, that's cyberpunk. Uh, that is just over-amping your guns to ridiculous degrees is a big part of the tabletop game. It was a meaty shotgun in Ireland. Yes. It can shoot through walls. I mean, yep. yeah. I mean, and at high levels, you can see through walls. So yeah. no one is safe. And that smart, smart gun, which is just, you just, I guess, lock onto the target and shoot in any direction. It's not even lock on. It's pretty no. much any target within a large rectangle drawn on the screen will be hit. Well, that's true. Yeah. And the ricochet bullets were amazing as well. Oh, that yes. was a cool effect, yeah. Yeah, bouncing the bullets off walls to shoot people behind cover. That wasn't even a gun mod, that was an eyeball an eye mod. Yes, that's you using yeah. your, your eyeball to sort of analyze the setting and just go, okay, if you shoot there, it'll do this. <laughs> I know for a fact, because I, I'm starting to know me now. <laughs> Once that becomes an option, I will no longer be shooting people. I will be wasting pressure seconds in my firefights trying to find the perfect angle to ricochet a bullet off a wall and kneecap someone. Yeah. <laughs> it is tactically easier and a better option <laughs> to just shoot them in the, the face. When I saw that, I did kind of think, huh, can I get the best angle to shoot a bullet up the bum? <laughs> <laughs> I suspect I'm going to go full on Street Samurai solo and try for a melee build. Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. And I think thing is that I didn't know it was a first person. Yeah, almost exclusively. The only third persons you saw sort of it briefly cuts away in yeah. some cutscenes. So you get to see your character you design. Yes, but the game is very much first person. And the reason for that is partly that a third person camera with that dense a crowd becomes very difficult to control. Uh, both in terms of the engine and the player. And partly just because immersion. Like, they literally want, if someone's talking off to the side of you, for you to hear it but not see it. It's that sense of being in the moment. That is their um, argument in favour of first person. Plus mm. all, like, the eye mods and everything like that, I guess it wouldn't really make sense. Unless you had an eye mod that gave you a drone that followed you around <laughs> and you saw through. Maybe that's the way they can put in third person if everyone <coughs> really complains. But that would only also work if you if your character spent the first, like, hour or so after that, like, tripping over and shit. Because, my God, can you imagine, like, walking around but having to view yourself in third person? Yeah, I, I can't imagine it would be easy. Well, fact, one, I, think a, I think there's an immersion episode of that on YouTube somewhere. Yes, they did. They did like Resident Evil. Oh, the, the fixed camera, the three like, camera angles. Yeah. Once, oh, once that's you, horrible. Once, once you left the room or you went out of sight of one camera, the next camera switched on, but you had 
a screen, like a VR headset over your face. You couldn't see anything except what the cameras were showing you. I find that hard enough in video games. Like Alone in the Dark did that and I hated it for it. Uh, I, I can't imagine it in real life. And then, then they ramped it up to Resident Evil 4 style where you had they had a camera on their shoulder. The third person. So the over the over the shoulder camera angle, but that's the only vision you had was over your own left shoulder. Mm. So you're, you're, it was basically just it was almost like first person, but with your head a foot to the left. And then then it went for Resident Evil Seven, and it's more like camera in your chest. Oh yeah, because for some reason it's that it's that low. Yes. So yeah, like oh, I'm in a nutshell. I'm really looking forward to Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Yeah. As am I. I might have to go in and spend the last little bit of my game voucher I got for leaving my last job uh, on pre-ordering it. If it's available for pre-order yet. I don't know if it is. I don't think it is, because so, no release date's announced or anything, but yeah. game shops do their own thing with pre-ordering. They are they are a yes. law unto themselves. I've already pre-ordered Red Dead, so that'll be the next thing, I guess. <laughs> I, pre- I pre-order Red Dead from game... A long time ago. <laughs> they, they asked me. They asked me the silly question. They were like, "Do you want the regular version or the the uh, deluxe version or the ultimate version?" And I was like, well, "What do you get in the ultimate version?" It's like, "Well, you it, it's basically just this and this and this uh, that you get in this version, but also extra dress up clothes for your online character, like sold." <laughs> and I get pinstripe trousers and a fucking gold pocket watch, sold. It's got the word <laughs> ultimate in it. Surely that's yeah. enough. Well, like the, the, there's also one you can get direct from Rockstar where you get, this is the, this is the really stupid thing I found, right? I was looking at what editions of the game are there. Cause I was like, okay, I've got the number, like the top tier one for pre-ordering it at game. And then I looked online there's like, oh wait, there's like a physical thing that comes with a treasure chest and it comes with like a pack of playing cards and a, a treasure map and all this cool stuff. And I was looking at the list of things that this, this um, like super deluxe uh, ultimate Bonanza edition came with. Do you know what it doesn't include? What's that? The game. <laughs> what? Yeah. So like the the big treasure chest uh, copy of Red Dead Redemption Two does not come with Red Dead Redemption Two. That doesn't make any sense. So I guess you can buy the ultimate edition that comes with all your like extra DLC costumes and missions and stuff. And yeah. You can also buy the the like physical nice toy version of things that you'd have to worry about like buying the game twice i guess how much is the treasure chest of this? i have no idea uh. it'll be probably put in dollar dues or whatever it is that i mean in america i mean my favorite uh game like special thing that's coming out is the resident evil 2 bluetooth keyboard that's coming out in japan oh god that what oh. is it so because it, they've got to work really hard to do better than Resident Evil 4's uh, chainsaw controller. All right, so it's a Bluetooth mechanical keyboard, right? Uh, designed to look like the typewriters from okay. from Resident Evil. Uh, wireless Bluetooth, and it looks so cool. Except that it's not. <laughs> it is an existing wireless Bluetooth keyboard that looks like a typewriter mm. that they have stuck a Resident Evil sticker on and charged you an extra $200 for wow. that sticker. That's a lot of dollars. That's going to be a yeah. sticker. You can buy that 
you can buy that very keyboard for two hundred dollars less without the Resident Evil branding. It's the huh. same damn keyboard. And then wow. spend that money on buying the game version, on just buying the game itself, and then just working really hard to unlock tofu. <laughs> hmm. I did not know that. I mean, I want it, that particular version was only coming out in Japan anyway, so yeah. was, I had no chance to get it, and I wasn't going to be paying out for it anyway. Wait, when's it coming out? Because I'm heading to Japan next year. <laughs> <laughs> Capcom Online only. Ah, oh, bugger. Yeah. Uh, but I, thought, I just thought it was cool as a collector's edition type thing. It even came with a um, ink reel, uh, like double sided sticky tape thing. Yeah, I mean the idea is cool. The ridiculous markup they're charging on it is oh offensive, yeah, I mean yeah, but uh, the idea is cool. I yeah. love the land of merch. <laughs> <laughs> oh Japan! But again. I think the best one that's come out this year, collector's edition, is probably the Yakuza 6 one that Alex got, which came with a set of whiskey glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the, like the, the, coasters the, and stuff. The tattoo art on the side. Yeah, too, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I'm I am like, hoping <laughs> for a collector's edition of Cyberpunk. Yeah. Because uh, the journos who went to E3 and saw the demo got a lovely little statuette of the Cyber Psycho from the original teaser. I was going to say, with the, with, the, with the Mantis arms. With the Mantis blades out, yeah. Yeah. And I really want to see that packaged with an Ultimate Edition CD Projekt Red. Like, I, I have not bought... Uh, actually, that's not true. I have bought some of your games before. No, I have not bought some of your games before. I have had them bought for me. Um, <laughs> by by someone who was literally telling me, yeah, uh, that they were the actually much better games than I was giving them credit for, and I should try them before I judged them. And I said, I'm not going to do... I'm not going to buy them myself. If someone buys them for me, I'll give them a go. And then he did. Uh, so, I mean, he put his money where his mouth was. Credit yeah. to him. Uh, but yeah, I have not given you a penny of my money, CD Projekt Red. But if you do an Ultimate Edition packaged with the Cyber Psycho statuette, uh, I, I will suddenly give you a lot of money. All to at once. To, to be fair, like if, if game pushbacks uh, like, and, and release date schedules and whatnot being pushed back or anything to go by in like recent games... By the time Cyberpunk 2077 comes out, they might be able to do an Ultimate Edition that comes bundled with a legit eye transplant. <laughs> with well, gun reticle stuff. It, it can't be much worse than the Saints Row for $1 million edition. The what? Saints Row 4, they yeah. had a uh, one, one of one collector's edition which was a, a million dollars and you got two real cars and what the fuck uh a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff you know i okay but, cool because yeah. like when you when the soon as you mentioned uh saints row i was just going to go ahead and assume that the ultimate edition would come with a fucking weapon sized vibrator <laughs> it came with a dubstep gun as well huh wait what like uh, how do you you know what never mind <laughs> weaponized dubstep i was about to say we're moving away from cyberpunk but weaponized dubstep actually kind of sounds like it might fit in quite well <laughs> yeah yeah uh i i think actually saints row 4 was very much high tech low life yeah oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. 
but times. Yeah, where I wasn't super interested in this game, now I am super interested in this game. I want it. I want it now. I think that's where we've all landed on this. The only the only misstep I think maybe CD Projekt Red have made by releasing the behind closed doors demo. Yeah. Is we've now seen it too soon. Yes. The hype so. train has left the station too early. And now it has to maintain momentum all the way to release. Mm. That's true. Ah. I don't know. They've got a fairly rabid fan base with their Witcher side of things. Oh, they do. And this is a brand new avenue of things. So it'll, it'll probably it'll draw in people when it's released anyway. So I don't know. They, they, they could probably do it, provided it doesn't get Daikatanered. I'm sure they can do it. It's just before the release of this gameplay, yeah. they could get their heads down and work on it. Now that it's out there, now that the genie is out of the bottle, they're going to have to keep showing things. Not constantly, but now they've started the process. They're going to have to stay in touch, because otherwise it's going to fade off. Um, Probably they'll get it back. Like Even if they released nothing until they were near at release and then released a trailer, they'd get a lot of that back. I think that's fine. But they now have to think about that more than they would have you know before it was just not a non-issue like we're not showing it to the public yet wait and see it will be great now they've shown it now that dialogue has started now that conversation is open now the fans want to see more it's now a part of the process and Mm. that's gonna suck for them but i'm sure they'll handle it also, speaking of Daikatana, did I, I don't think I mentioned to you, Simon, I had a dream uh, a little while back now where I, I bought you a T-shirt for your birthday. Okay. Right. And on the, it was a red T-shirt, and it, and it has some little black words on it. Do you know what it said on it? It said, John Romero's about to make you his bitch. Do you know I would wear that T-shirt? I, <laughs> I woke up and went, oh, that's good. Does that exist? <laughs> I would totally wear that T-shirt. <laughs> So unfortunately, I may have spoiled your like the next the next present I get you, but <laughs> yeah, the, the hype train has left the station too early on that t-shirt. But <laughs> damn it, damn, damn I'm it, all about it. Don't worry. Damn it, Romero! You've ruined everything again. <laughs> uh, I think that might be a good place to end that. I think it is. I'm cursing the name of John Romero. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a that's a good place to end anything, isn't it? I guess. I guess. So we have been cursing John Romero. Mm. This has been dangerously unprepared. I have been Simon. I have been Kyrie. And I have been Jack. Thank you for joining us and goodbye. Goodbye.